Praise the Lord. You can be seated today. Oh, it's always so good to be in the house of the Lord. Pastor Wyatt talking about God will always do. And I've always heard it. God will always do the thing that you don't want him to do. Lord. So I've just been praying, Lord, don't send me to Hawaii. Lord, do not call me, Lord, to Charleston, South Carolina. <clears throat> San Diego is not feeling me right now, Lord. So, uh, no, it's, it's always good to be in the house of the Lord. I love what I feel. Oh, I love what I feel right now. God is so good to us. I'm, I'm excited to, to not only be with Christ Center Church and my, my friends, uh, brother and sister Wyatt and their wonderful family. See my buddy. What's up? You doing good? I'm always going to make, make, a, make place for them when I can. But it's an honor to have my friend, uh, brother Lackney, with me. Any time that he is with me, any time that he's around me, I, I just let him know I would not be where I am if he had not. Uh, knocked on my, my room at IBC one night, just a random trip, a group of people wanting to go to South, uh, to, uh, to Chicago. Here I am, just a young freshman sitting in my room all by myself, wanting to go home. It, was like a, it just wasn't happening for me. It just wasn't clicking for me. People didn't like me. I don't know what the deal was. It's about 7.45 in the evening, and then here pokes John's head inside of my room. Hey, bro, we're going to go to Chicago. You want to go with us? I made some really good friends that weekend. I made one really good lifelong friend that weekend. And uh, just a young man who was about two steps away from giving up and walking away and going home. I don't know if I would have ever been a, become an evangelist or if I would have ever continued pursuing preaching. Uh, but I know that I'll never know what would have happened if he had never knocked on that door. So he uh, he holds a special place in my life. So I give honor to him today as well. I am. Um, my mind is is, is kind of going in, in, in one strong direction today. And I hope you can just bear with me for a little bit. And um, if I preached this here before, then I'm preaching it for somebody that wasn't here last time. I cannot shake this this thought, this this word from my spirit. I, I've, I've battled with it all the morning. And you learn as you get older, you just can't. Your arms aren't long enough to box with God, right? It was John, the 11th chapter. You don't have to stand because I'm not going to go into a whole um, text of reading. It was John, the 11th chapter. It's very famous for one particular Aspect. It is the story of Lazarus and Jesus. Everybody knows hindsight, the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was the brother to Mary and Martha, but a friend to Jesus. So in verse three, his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, the one that thou lovest is sick. So Jesus heard that. He said that the sickness is not unto death, but the sickness is for something. The problem is for something. It is for the glory of God. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now it reiterates one more time. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But even though it reiterates his love, 
And it reiterates where his mind is. And it reiterates where his heart is. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Though he loved them, he did not move to them. Though he cared for them and their problem and in their need, he did not go immediately to where they were. He stayed. He took his time. He remained still in one place. And so for the next few moments, if I can, with the help of the Lord, if I can minister to somebody, if God will use me to minister or speak or preach, whatever he wants to happen in the next few moments, I want to speak to you when the stone becomes the story. When the stone becomes the story. If you don't get anything else out of today, if you don't write one thing down outside of this one little nugget, I want you to write this down. I want you to put it in your mind. I want you to put it in your phone. And I want you to tell yourself every single day. I want you to wake up and remind yourself of this one thing. When you go to bed at night, it should be the last thing that goes through your mind. God loves you. Not just a little bit, not just slightly. He didn't bring himself to this world and manifest it in flesh because he had a slight affection towards us. Romans said, for in this God so loved us that he commanded his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, he died for the ungodly. We are declared so many times in Scripture for God's so loved the world he gave. It's not because he just liked us. It's not just because he had some sort of affection towards us. It's because he is absolutely 100% crazy about the human being you. David write it, writes it like this. Says, Who is man that thou art mindful of? Of him and the son of man that thou visitest him, that his mind is perpetually and constantly upon you, reaching to you, longing for you, hoping for you, trying to save you, trying to heal you, trying to direct your path, trying to make your life better, trying to bless you, trying to restore you, just trying to show himself, make himself real to you, just to let you know that you are cared about. You are not a mistake. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has hopes for your life. He said, if you knew the thoughts that I had towards you, thoughts that were good and not of evil, that it would come to an expected end. He said, I saw the junk that you were going to go through from the end to the beginning and I still have thoughts towards you and I still want to bless you. I still want to be there. I still have made myself available. I've still made my mercies new Every morning, he absolutely, 100%, without a shadow of doubt, loves every single one of you. I don't care who walked away from you, who told you you weren't worthy, who said you weren't good enough, who said you weren't good and great enough, who said you weren't pretty enough, who said you weren't rich enough, you weren't worth the size, you weren't the right color, you weren't from the right neighborhood, you weren't from a broken home, you were from an addiction, you had hiccups, you had setbacks, you had problems, you have a past, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter even what you think about yourself, he loves you. His love is perfect. 
His love is pure. His love is unconditional. His love is there every day. His love is there every night. His love is there in every circumstance and in every trouble. You are loved. You are adored. By the hands that created the heaven and the earth and formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into him and made him a little, a living vessel. The Lord says, I love him. If you don't get anything else, you need to leave here today knowing that God loves you. No matter what you think about yourself when you look in the mirror, no matter what somebody said to you that hurt you and broke you and afflicted you, God loves you. And God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He doesn't operate the way that man operates. He doesn't see you the way that man sees you. He knows the thoughts that he has towards you. His ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And no matter how much you beat up yourself, he knows, I've got something for her. I've got something for her. For him. I've got life. I've got love. I've got hope. I've got peace. I've got joy for you are loved by God. So many times we don't see God evident in our life. So many times we don't see him there in our circumstance or our situation. We don't see him arising with strength and power, always in the midst or in the center or the epicenter of our turmoil and dilemma. And so Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus is sick. And their close-knit relationship that they had with Jesus, they send word to Jesus saying, The one that thou lovest is sick. Listen, we wouldn't be sending you this if it wasn't important. We wouldn't be sending you this if it was just a slight cough or, or if it was a little thing. Or, or maybe it was just a, a little pain. But this, this is very problematic. This, this is very serious. This is very detrimental. He's dying. He is falling apart. He is breaking. There's not much time left. We need you to know that Lazarus is sick. A lot of us get so angry with God because we don't always hear Him. The reason we don't always hear Him is because we think that prayer is over the moment we stop jabbering our jaws. We think that prayer is over the moment we stop talking to God. Prayer is just as much about you listening for God as it is for you talking to God. Because I can't find a time from Genesis to Revelation when any man sought God the way that he was told and instructed to seek God. And he was following the path and the right ways to seek God where he opened up his mouth and God did not speak back. God is always going to respond. So many decisions we make, we make because we didn't hear from God. And we're wondering, well, I guess it really doesn't matter. You'll get yourself in a whole world of hurt if you begin to take steps outside of the direction that God speaks to you because you didn't wait long enough. You want to know why they got so bound down in Egypt? In Exodus, the first chapter says that raises up a Pharaoh that did not remember Joseph. And so he saw that the children of Israel were more than mightier than they. And they said, we got to do something about these people lest they join together with our enemies and they take over us and they run us out of this place. He said, therefore, let us deal wisely with them. So they set over them taskmasters to make their life. Do you realize that the problems did not come to keep them. Read it. Their pain came to push them out. But some people just don't know how to get a hint. When it's time to get up from where you are and start moving to another place. This isn't a good place for me to be. This isn't a right circumstance for me to be in. This isn't a right area for me to be in. Well, you better wake up and get up and begin to move on somewhere. 
But we don't get that hint. Why? Because I don't read from anywhere from Genesis to Exodus where any altars were ever built. I don't read where they were honoring God with their worship. I don't read where they were honoring God with their service. I don't read where they were honoring God with their sacrifices. And where there is no altar, you will not hear from God. And there's a lot of things that God would have saved you from if you would have just submitted your heart to Him and prayed long enough to listen to Him. You wouldn't have gone through some of the pain that you went through if you would have stayed long enough in His presence. And He said, no, that's not what I have for you. If you would have stayed long enough after you said, God, what do I do? Instead of just getting up and walking out on Him, He would have said, I have a plan. I have a purpose. I have a process for the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And the Lord delights. We get ourselves so bound down with things that we're only supposed to be temporary. But because you couldn't hear from God to move on and move forward, you get locked down in it and it becomes a prison. And it becomes an emotional hell. It comes beating you. It, it beats you. It, it, it demoralizes you. It, it makes you bleed. It makes you hurt. And you lose things that you should never lose. Because you don't want to hear from God. And so Egypt becomes a pain of tur- a place of turmoil and a prison. Because there's no altars ever built to God in Egypt. They served their gods. They honored their gods. But they didn't honor the one true living God. The one that had given their grandfather, Jacob, the promise of his father, Isaac, and his father, Abraham. Said, I will make your name great. And in thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. And everywhere that your foot touches, it shall be yours. And at what point did you stop listening for God and fall in love with a place that you weren't meant to be? Because you would not listen. God speaks immediately when he hears the prayer of Mary and Martha. His sickness is not unto death. But it is for the glory of God. And if there is anything that will mess you up in Christendom, let me tell you, it is this. And I'm going to say, Pastor, a whole lot of heartache and grief when he has to sit with families and he has to counsel them. When you begin to misunderstand the word and the will of God, you will hurt yourself. If anything will mess your junk up in trying to live for God, it is misunderstanding The Word and the will of God. The will of God is not mentioned very many times in Scripture. It says to prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. He says, because that's when you submit your bodies a living sacrifice. He said, and this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you give. Thanks. He says, you've got to be content. You've got to learn how to take the good with the bad. He said, this is the will of God. But above all, it is the will of God that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will is that you be content and that you be thankful, but also that you be saved. And when you begin to misunderstand the will of God, you all of a sudden you get caught up in thoughts and ideas that were not meet for you. 
and you end up in personal prisons and, and you may end up in emotional baggage and, and you may end up in mental bondage because I thought God said this. Well, we all know the story of Lazarus. And so my mind can only assume one thing when I read this sickness is not unto death. I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm from Arkansas. I'm probably not even a smart man to many measures of, 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 of um, academia by any means. But when I hear his sickness is not unto death, I can only think one thing. He's not going to die. How many ways can you dissect that? How many ways can you interpret that? All of a sudden, you're holding on. I got a word. I got a word. He's not going to die. I got a word. The Son of God is going to be glorified. I got a word that this is not a problem that's going to last very long. But all of a sudden, Lazarus dies. And you want to be going, God, where did you lie to me? God, why did you fail me? God, what, what happened? What went wrong? You said the sickness was not unto death. It kind of made me think of when I when I first began to, to study this scripture and, and, and read about Lazarus and, and the in-depth relationship and, uh, and the scriptures that are pertaining to this story. I thought about Mephibosheth and the son of Jonathan and him being a young child. And when Jonathan and his father Saul are killed and the nurse picks Mephibosheth up and runs with him and drops him. It was an accident. It wasn't anything malicious and it wasn't on purpose. She was just trying to save the young man's life. She was trying to do him a favor. She was trying to make sure that he was safe to be come back later and become. The, the, the proud king of Israel, but there's an accident. There's a, a slip up there, and all of a sudden something inside of Mephibosheth breaks and he's paralyzed. He can't walk. And so he spends his whole life in a town called Lodabar, which means barren place. And so one day David's walking through his palace and he turns to Ziba, his servant. He said, is there any yet of the house of Saul alive that I may show kindness to him? And Ziba returns with him this answer. He said, there is yet one son of the Jonathan, the son of Jonathan. His name is Mephibosheth and he's lame on his feet. David said, you go and get him and you bring him here. And so when they go to Mephibosheth and they pronounce themselves and they say, the king David wants you to come and come to him in the palace. The first words out of Mephibosheth's mouth is, how is it that the king would look at a dead dog like me? See, when I was a kid, I had a promise I was going to be king. When I was a kid, I, my grandfather told me that one day this was all going to be mine. When I, when I was a kid, I had a future. When I was a kid, I had potential. I was innocent. I didn't do anything wrong. And now look at me. I'm broken. I, I can't even stand. I, I'm worthless. I'm dead. I've got nothing to give. I've got nothing to honor. And your heart breaks for somebody living in pain because of somebody else's decisions. Mephibosheth would have never been facing that if Saul would have obeyed God. Your heart breaks that Mephibosheth is living through the consequences of his grandfather's sin. Broken. Living in addictions because of something else that somebody else did. Living in pain and in poverty because of the decisions that a parent made. And, and having to look at themselves and feel worthless and hopeless in life. Your heart breaks. From Mephibosheth. Let me drop one little nugget of truth right now. It was never the will of God for Mephibosheth to be king. 
And I'm not talking about when God tells Samuel, go to the house of Jesse. I want to go back to when Joshua was coming into Jericho. And the Bible said that he sent in two spies and they found a, 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 a woman living on the wall by the name of Rahab. And she says, I've heard what your few armies have done to the two Amorites, king's men. And she said, and there's no hope in any man in this entire city. But I'm not letting you leave until you save me and you make an oath with me. And they said, nevertheless, we will make an oath with you. And so when Joshua and the children of Israel come into Jericho and the walls come down, the Bible said, and the entire city was destroyed, save Rahab and her home. Now, Rahab would fall in love with the man from the camp of Israel, and they would have a son by the name of Boaz. And Boaz would be gleaming in his fields one day, and he would see a woman on the outskirts of the field by the name of Ruth, who was a Moabite, who wasn't even supposed to be worthy to be in the covenant with the children of Israel. She was a widow. She was broken. She was going through some pain in her own life. But Boaz saw her, and he said, drop her handfuls of purpose. But Boaz fell in love with Ruth, and all of a sudden, they had a son by the name of Jesse. And Jesse had a son by the name of David. And David was... The Bible said that Jesus Christ, the root and the offspring of David, the lamb slain before the fountain. Don't tell me that God does not have a plan. And so many times we get so hurt trying to attain things that we want so bad thinking it's what God wants for us. And we get mad at God when we don't get them. We get bitter at God when we don't get it. We get angry at the church when we don't get it. We shut down and we push everybody out because we're trying to attain things that God has never meant for us to have. Because we misunderstand the Word of God and the will of God. But he speaks nevertheless. I wish that every time, every time I opened up my mouth and listened for God, that he was going to speak every single time. Sometimes I just go away feeling something's going to happen. I didn't hear from God, but I felt him. I didn't hear from God, but I know that there's, that there's something burning in my spirit. And so I, I wish that there was an audible voice every single time, but it's just not that way. And so God has to reiterate, hey, you need to know, Mary. You need to know, Martha. I love you. I sent you my word to comfort you, but I'm not moving. And Jesus stayed still where he was. For two more days. We all go through seasons where we have to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not a name it and claim it kind of preacher. But faith does not ask questions. Faith makes declarations. But the declarations that are made in faith are only accomplishable to what is written in the Word of God. I can't speak a million dollars into existence. But I can tell this mountain to get out of my way. And it will get up and it will walk out. I can't tell dinosaurs to start rolling the earth all over again. I can't just speak to those things that are just unexistent and unimaginary to be as if there were. But it's not that way. It has to be according to the word of God. He spoke, but he didn't move. You want to know why God won't show up? He wants to know why you won't wait. You're mad why God hasn't showed himself. And he said, why won't you wait? Because they that wait on the Lord renew their strength. There's something about waiting. The Bible said that praise waited for him in Zion. Meaning praise sits silent. I know that I should expect something. I know that I should expect something to change. I know that something's going to happen. I know something's going to be healed. Something's going to be released. I don't see it yet. But my God cares for me. My God loves me. And his word does not return to him void. 
my word's promises are yea and amen. He is not going to lie to me. He is not going to turn away from me. You've got to understand, if God said it shall live, it's going to live. It may not be on your time. It may not be on your watch. But God will make sure it does not go undone. We don't like waiting. But it is waiting where we are refined. It is waiting when we are made strong. For they that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. I've already said it. But if he goes on more, he said, They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why, we get too eager to start moving in situations where God said, just not yet. I've got to be my word, but you've got to stand on my word. You've got to hold fast to my word. But this is the problem. This is when the stone now becomes the story. Because while Jesus is waiting to move, Mary and Martha can't wait to bury their brother who's dead. The only people that could make the decisions to put Lazarus in his tomb were the two people who had a word. And a lot of us are too quick to respond to what happens to our miracle when our miracle is yet to be fulfilled. And we decide because it didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen. You put dead things where you put other dead things when you got a word for it. You give up on things that God said, I promised you it was going to live. But because it didn't happen on your schedule, you decided to go ahead and bury it where you other put other dead things. You want to get mad at God. God didn't give up on you. You gave up on Him. That's why we are told to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not to our own understanding. But in all of our ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct. I know it's not happening right now. But just wait. If He said it, it's going to live. If He said it, it's going to be. If He said there's going to be joy, then it might not come right now. But weeping endures for the night. Joy is still going to come in the morning. He's just holding off. And Mary and Martha putting Lazarus in a tomb. The only two people who had a word are giving up on what God has said. Because it looks to them like it's impossible now. Jesus turns to His disciples after two days and He tells them, we need to go to Bethany because Lazarus is asleep and I've got to go wake him up. And here it is. They're like, why? Why? Why, if he's only asleep, do we even need to go? It's not really that, that, that important of a deal. They, he was just sick two days ago. And when Mary and Martha sent word to you, he says, no, Lazarus is dead. He said, let me make this plain to you. Lazarus is dead. I'm kind of like a plain spoken kind of guy. Don't, don't, don't beat around the bush with me. Just tell me. You don't like me? Just tell me to my face. I'll tell you what I think. I love people. But I, I, I got too much invested in life to waste my time. I'm not an evil person. I'm not an angry person. I'm just an honest person. And I love deeply. And I love hard. Just why, why, don't, don't beat around the bush with me. Why didn't you just say that Lazarus was dead in the first place, Jesus? 
Well, one, if he would have told them that he was dead, they would have been like, well, what's the point of even going? But he needed to paint a picture to them that you need to have painted in your mind right now. He doesn't see your problem the way that you see your problem. He wanted them to understand. He said, to me, he's asleep, but to you, he's dead. When you think that it's over, when you think that it can't be fixed, when you think that it can't be restored, when you think it can't be put back together, when you think the addiction came in, when you think that life can't start over, when you think a heart can't be made new, when you think a wall can't be broken down, when you think cancer can't be healed, when you think that life can't be given back, when you think a family can't come back together, when you think a marriage can't... I don't see things the way that you see things. You think it's done. And I said, I'm not done writing the story. You think that it's over. I'm not through working with it yet. It's just asleep. So many times we're too apt on holding our problems back and we won't even let God in. How many things do we have lying dormant in our life? That God's ready to bring back. And he said, it's just asleep. And you're saying, no, God, it's dead. My Lord, have mercy, Jesus. He turns to his disciples. And I think this is probably the worst thing that any preacher could ever say to anybody in the time of crisis. He said, I'm glad for your sakes he's dead. But he was just trying to sprinkle a little bit of knowledge on them. He said, you need to see who I am. You need to see how I work. You need to see where impossibilities lie with me. He said, for with man it's impossible, but with God all things. You need to know that with God all things. It doesn't matter how big the mountain or or how low the valley. It doesn't matter if your strength is insufficient. My God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all. When are you going to start putting your imaginations into his hands and seeing the possibilities that he can create even with things that you think are dead? Your mama gave up on them, so what? Your dad gave up on them, so what? You've given up on them, so what? God said it's just asleep. God said, it's just laying dormant. Just let me in uh, and I'll bring life to it again. He tells the disciples, uh, I'm glad because you're getting ready to see revelation in a way that you've never seen it before. And they go to Bethany. And here comes Martha. Faithful Martha. Sometimes faith sounds like an accusation. Because I really don't know how to interpret. If you had been here, my brother... Would not have died. We need to wake up and realize one thing. Mary and Martha believed Jesus had the power to heal Lazarus. He needed them to see he had the power to do so much more. And so God would let something Die. God would let something die just to show you I can bring it back. The faith sounds like an accusation. She says, 
If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And the Lord says to her, he said, Lazarus is going to live again. And all of a sudden she starts talking eschatology, which is the end times, revelations, the study of the second coming of Christ, when the dead in Christ would rise first, when he comes and he splits the eastern sky and the graves are open. She's talking end times and Jesus is saying, I'm talking about right now. Is this water for me? Because it's about to get chugged down. (laughs) Are we okay this morning on time? Is this okay right now? Just release me for just a few more minutes and I promise you we're going to be done. Jesus said, wait a second. You're talking about a day that we're still talking about right now. A day that is 2,000 removed years removed even from this very moment. A day that we're still preaching that the soon and coming Lord is coming again. The calling up, the calling out of the church. She's talking years away. He's talking moments away. He said, woman, I am the resurrection. I am. You see, I I want us to have this understanding that faith is not a future tense or a past tense word. Faith is a right now word. Faith is a present tense. The Bible says that he is an ever present help in the time of trouble. He is a prayer answering God now. He is a soul saving God now. He is a what you need right now. He can do right now kind of God. He's an ask and receive right now as you seek Him. He is a knock and it shall be open to you now as you not kind of God. He is a word opening God. He is an eye opening God. He is a death raising God. I'm not talking about next week. I'm not talking about next month. And I'm not talking about what happened hundred years ago. I'm talking about right now. As you open up your mouth and begin to seek Him. As you begin to open up your heart and begin to call on Him. He said, I am the resurrection. What you see is what you get. If you were just asked. We talk a lot of good game about belief until it takes time to step out on what we have declared. Because Martha, the very one who comes to Jesus, is the first one to complain when he wants to deal with the stone that's become the story. See, yeah, Martha come running after Jesus, but Mary was sitting in the house. Mary was so confounded by her hurt that she wouldn't even move when God was on his way. The worst place you can ever be is in a state of complacency. He is good all the time. And even when life isn't good, God is still great and greatly to be praised. Uh, He's worthy whether you want to think He's worthy or not. Uh, He's God in the mountain and He's God in the valley. Uh, What other song can we talk about that talks about how great God is uh, and how worthy He is uh, at all times? uh, From the rising of the sun until the setting of the same. Uh, It's never. The Bible said it is comely for the upright to give God praise. Uh, It is a commandment. It is a requirement. Because let everything that hath Praise ye the Lord. You may not feel like it, but God is still God. And He is still on the throne. He is still high and lifted up. And His train still fills the temple. Even Isaiah said, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. Even on a bad day, God was still glorified. Even on the worst of all days, God was still all powerful and in control. Yeah. 
it was not okay for Mary to be coddled in her complacency because she was hurt. You know, when you're ready to come to God, the church will be here. When you're ready to worship again, I, I know you've gone through a rough time and I, I know that you've lost a whole lot of things. I, I know that your heart's been broken. I know that your finances are gone. I know you don't feel like praising God, but when you're ready to come back, the church will be here. When you're ready to give your heart to God, the church will No, no, don't give me that stuff. It's never okay to be coddled in complacency. Especially when Jesus is coming. We should be pushing people, trust Him. We should be pushing people, try Him. We should be pushing people, I know it didn't work out the way that you thought it was supposed to work out, but Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to have His way. He gave you a word. Do you not remember it? No, because I put my promise in a grave. Oh my, I've been 33 minutes. I got stopped. Jesus says, get Mary out of the house. You bring her where I am. You want to start seeing things that you weren't ready to see? You start following Jesus where he is. Well, I got a few amens on that. You start getting around where Jesus is. His presence is manifested and you'll start seeing things happen that you didn't think were possible. And all of a sudden, he takes them to the place where they have laid him. And he says, move the stone. Now, Martha has already declared, I believe that whatever you ask, it's going to be given. She has already declared that Lazarus is going to live again. And now she's going to say, why would you do that? He's been there four days. He stinks. And some of us have gotten so bitter at the things that didn't work out, we started to hate our dreams. We started hating the things that we wanted God to do in our lives. We started to hate and to despise the things that we had hope for ourselves and for our peace and for our future and for our blessings. And we started hating and we started burying them where you put other broken dreams, where you all put other unanswered prayers, where you put other unmended families, where you put other unhealed hearts, where you put other unhealed things. And that's what we do. Because we don't know how to handle when things die and we don't have the ability to touch it. And we don't have the ability to control these situations. And we get angry and we get upset. And all of a sudden, when God wants to start dealing with them, we get angry because they stink to us. And it doesn't matter who's given up on them or not. Uh, we think that it can't be fixed and we can't be done, that it's not going to be done. But you've just gotten used to living life without that thing. Why would you open up a fresh wound, God? I'm just getting used to waking up every morning and realizing that Lazarus isn't there. I'm just getting used to walking to work every day and realize I'm not going to talk to him anymore. I'm just now understanding that, you know what, he's never going to be at another Thanksgiving or, or another Christmas. But, but that, that was Jewish culture. He's, no, he's never going to be a, at another Passover. He's never going to be at another Feast of Tabernacles. I'm never going to join hands with him again and sing glory to God in the highest as we begin to shout and rejoice. And you're going to rip off a proverbial band-aid and expose the wound. Why? Because he's not responsible for the stone in the first place. 
And if you want to see something that you thought has been dead for a long time come back, then you've got to move the stone on your own. He is responsible for bringing his word to pass. But you're responsible for putting things in its way. And a lot of us, we got things that God wants to do in our lives, but we're still locked down. And we're so broken with bitterness. We're so broken with hurt. And we're so broken with self-contempt. And we're so broken with anger towards ourselves and even towards people and to God that the very thing that we want God to bring to pass in our life can't even walk out because we got stones in the way. And he says, you move the stone, I'll bring the miracle. That stone began to tell a completely different story when Lazarus died because they went telling everybody, I got a word. God's going to show up. But now Lazarus is dead. And that stone is saying, God failed me. God didn't show up. God didn't answer my prayer. And you looked like an idiot telling people that you were expecting a miracle. And now you shut down and you locked out and you put that thing in a place where it doesn't even belong. Because you put your pride on the line. You put your joy on the line. You put your faith on the line. And you come out looking like you were standing there all by yourself. But God said, you move that stone and I'll bring your miracle back. Musicians are... Sister Wyatt, if you want to come. Whatever y'all want to do. Well, all I know is somebody, you've got to start dealing with some things that are in the way. You've got to start looking past things that you did and things that you said and things that you thought. You've got to start dealing with some things that people did to you. You've got to start getting that pain and start removing those stones. Thank God, I've got a promise alive in here somewhere. There's some dreams that God wants to bring to pass. There's some restoration that God wants to breathe into your life. There's some relationships that God said, hey, I promise you that that wasn't supposed to end that way. There are some addictions that have got a hold of you and you locked you down and locked you in a place of selflessness and self-worth and you've got this hopelessness that, that's just arising in you got pain in your family and because somebody walked away you think that you know what you think that you're just going to be alone for the rest of your life and you can't trust but God said I got something that's going to live but you got to move the stone that stone is telling a complete different story than God what had intended for you his word that you would live and not die don't listen to the devil. He's a liar and the father of all lies. When he speaks, he speaks of himself because there is no truth in him. There's some things in your life that God said, I've got the power to bring it to pass. I let it die for a reason and for a season, but you buried it. You need to move that stone. Let me have it. Let me have that heart that's mine. Let me have that need that's mine. Let me have that. It's mine. Lazarus. Come forth. How else was a bound man supposed to go through the wall? Except you moved the stone. See, that's not the only stone that had to be moved. He was damned three days and nights. But early on that morning, while it was yet dark, Mary comes seeking the Lord, but the stone is removed. And he rose with all power in heaven and earth given to him. So that you 
can overcome your own personal grace. Where your dreams and your miracles and your burdens have been buried thinking that there's no hope. Jesus said, I conquered death, hell, and the grave. Move your stone. I've got life more abundantly. Move your stone. I've got your ministry waiting on you. Move your stone. Why don't we close our eyes right now? Somebody begin to open up your heart and talk to the Lord. Come on, they that call upon His name. He is nigh them that have a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. He said He would not despise us. Come on. Somebody needs to start removing some buried animosity. Somebody needs to start removing some burdens that have locked you down. Something that somebody did to you. Something that hurt you. Somebody somebody oppressed you. Somebody walked away. And they said they didn't even believe in your dream. God didn't heal a need. God didn't bring forth a, that, that joy in your life. And you had to endure some pain. You, you had to endure some seasons of loneliness and hurt. But you got bitter. You got locked down in this darkness. But God said, move that stone. Hallelujah. Come on, He's bringing something to life. He's calling something out. Why don't we find a place to pray? You haven't built an altar in a long time and you haven't heard from God. Why don't you build an altar and let Him speak to you right now? If there's anything hindering you from finding Him, why don't you begin to talk to Him right now? Why don't you ask Him to forgive you of some things that you've done, things that you've said, things that you've thought? Why don't you begin to forgive somebody else in your own life and say, i let it go. God, I release it so that something can be released in you. In the name of Jesus, let your spirit have its way over every heart, over every mind, over every soul. God, let there be released in the Holy Ghost right now that would release joy and peace into somebody's life. Oh God, that would change them. Let forgiveness begin to flow from the front to the back. Let heaven's doors begin to open and let your spiritual reign begin to nourish Let fruitful lives begin to give forth right now. Healing in the spirit. Healing in their thinking. Healing in their hearts. Healing from their past. Healing from their sins. But dreams are getting ready to come to pass.